Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy. And once again, we want to welcome all our listeners to today's podcast from wherever you may be tuning in. And this is now our third podcast on our new series that we have titled, What's Next? I believe this is an appropriate question for such an hour like this. And we are going to, we're going to go right into our study of the Word today. If you have been listening to uh, any of our Bible studies, then you know that we come to you from the Word of God to speak on the current events that are unfolding and are yet to unfold through a prophetic lens. And as we begin today our, our study, I just want to quickly just welcome our, our panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty. It's always a pleasure to uh, to open up the Word with you men of God, and, and I'm excited about what um, God is going to speak to us today. And uh, Brother Marty, I mean, uh, over not just the series before this, before this one, but even now, so much uh, of the prophetic is coming out, a beautiful, powerful picture that it's been un- uh, unfolded of deep insight concerning the things that are happening in this hour. And we have been on a journey, uh, Brother Marty, in, in these last few weeks where the Lord yeah, has amen. taken us. And I believe that God is going to take us deeper. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what God has for us today. And Brother Marty, please take it from here. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again today. And today we're going to get uh, over into the Gospel of St. Matthew. And uh, we believe the Lord is going to show us some things out of there that pertain uh, to our time now. As always, that is the position we're coming from. While the Gospels and, and the stories in the Scripture are historical, um, they can't be presented uh, as a historical truth exclusively, or uh, we lose the inspiration for how it applies to our time. And that requires the Holy Spirit. And that is why Jesus told us that he would send the Spirit in order that he would teach us, he would guide us into all the truth, and he would take of the Lord's, and he would show it unto us. And he said he would also show us the things that are yet to be. In other words, reveal to us the future ahead of the future, so to speak. Right. And so it's right, and it's it is it, these are the principles of the spirit that the Lord gave us. Remember when he went away, he told them, he said, uh, and those of you, while I'm kind of talking about this, if you don't mind, get your Bibles in. We'll be in Matthew chapter nine, uh, beginning with verse thirty-four. But remember what the Lord told the disciples at the at his last Passover the Lord's Passover, when he, 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 he revealed to them that he knew that they were, they were feeling sad and depressed and anxious and, 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 and uh, they were feeling that way because he was telling them, I'm getting ready to go away. And he was saying, where I'm going right now, you can't come, he says, but you will afterwards. And then, they, and then he says this statement to them in the Gospel of John. He says, uh, he says, it's better for you if I go away. And 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 that when I read that statement, I remember thinking, and, and I've heard other preachers say this too, which is is how could it possibly be better? What they must have been thinking, right? I mean, we've left everything behind, uh, you know, our businesses, our families, our wives, our children, our our, our neighborhood, so to speak, uh, and we have followed you these last three and a half years, and, and now you're telling us you're going away. How could that possibly be better for us? And then he said. He said, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. 
And he yes. said, but if I go away, I will ask the Father, and he will send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, even he called him the Spirit of Truth, and that he would be with you, and that he would begin to lead you and guide you into all things and, and show you the things that are yet to come. And so he said he would take of the Lord. First he said he would be a comforter, which is really cool if you think about it, because, I mean, you know, he was just telling them, you feel really sad uh, because I'm right. telling you I'm going away. And so it kind of, it kind of, if we really think about it, the the level by which we have had an understanding of what the interaction with the Spirit of God really is in our lives is really at a low level, especially in the modern church, because they equate everything uh, to signs, wonders, feathers falling from the from the sky, gold dust being right. blown out of air conditioning units, or I mean, all the fake stuff, and they call that spirit. That's anything but spirit. Or in or in the right. in the in the in the early 2000s, late 90s, you had that one evangelist who was hitting everybody with his coat and blowing on them. And, you know, I mean, they're calling that spirit. And I know this kind of talk makes people mad, but, but that's not spirit. And then you had a whole segment of the church called the hyper-charismatic movement that began to have Holy Spirit conferences or fire conferences, on and on and on. But all of that is unscriptural because the right. Lord said that that right. the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would not draw attention to Himself, right? That's right. He said the Holy Spirit would not speak of Himself, but whatsoever the Lord uh, has taught us. In other words, He will He will only uh, move you towards Jesus. He will only yes. lead you towards Jesus, and it is specifically His His uh, mission on the earth currently to to teach us about the Lord. Now, what's interesting is that you need the Holy Spirit to be saved, and you need the Holy Spirit to seal you. And that's what Paul said. Remember when he was writing, I believe it was to, who was it, the, the Ephesians? He said, he said, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so you need the Holy Spirit's influence to be saved. And once you're saved, he then becomes much more profoundly um attached to your heart, to your spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And his specific duty, Paul goes on to pray, is this, or not duty, but what he attempts to do and what Paul prayed that, that they would understand is that, that this Holy Spirit would give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge or revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his, his, his specific purpose, his specific duty is to teach us, to instruct us, to reveal the will of the Lord to us, but also to comfort us. And it's a part mm. and an aspect of relationship with the Spirit that very few people know. Now, how do I know this? Because you hear so many times, and, I, and I'm not laughing at them, I'm just like, wow, it's really the fault of the shepherds who haven't taught the people the kind of relationship that that, that is intended for them, by the Spirit. In the Pentecostal world, they relegate the Holy Spirit to simply speaking in tongues. And they, mm -hmm. and they completely erase an entire aspect of, of, of what his true, uh, <clears throat> you know, intent is uh, for us. 
and and one of them, the chief one that he begins to first say to us is that he will he will lead you and he will guide you. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. And so we are going to begin to understand this as we get closer to the second coming of the Lord. It is a vital necessity because the things that have already begun upon the face of the earth and the things that are just ahead of us, according to the prophetic scriptures, are so terrible and so chaotic and so without reference point in our generation. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it would be so terrible that unless the days are cut short, no flesh would be saved. And in that kind of a climate, if you don't know that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit, where he's able to reside within you and you allow him and I allow him to minister to us that peace that passes understanding, then we will be completely without anchor. We will not be founded upon the rock because that is what he is primarily called to do is to reveal Jesus to us and then begin the process of conforming us to the image of his dear son. And so it requires the Holy Spirit to learn, to be taught. The Apostle John talked about it in, uh, I believe it was John, the, the, the epistle of John, First John chapter 2, I think it is, chapter 2, verse 26, 27, somewhere in there, where he says that you really don't have any need, a need, that is, that any man teach you, he says, but the self-same anointing, uh, even the spirit which resides within you, he shall teach you, he shall guide you, he shall instruct you in all things. And so the Lord, you remember what the Lord said, I have many things yet to tell you, but you can't bear them now? Remember when he was getting ready to leave? That's what he said. I have so many things I want to reveal to you, but the truth of the matter is, is you don't have the capacity to receive them. You can't handle it. It's going to require an e the eternal spirit of God residing on the inside of you for you to understand my words as they really are. That is, they are eternal. They are understood from that perspective. And so there's a level of depth and a level of understanding that begins to be unlocked to the believer as he presses in and begins to understand the proper uh, position he needs to put himself in so the Spirit of God can function within his heart and his life in order to begin to lead him and guide him into all truth. Now he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And he also talked about the Holy Spirit being a counselor and a reprover, both. The word reprover means to correct us. You know, to correct our steps, to keep us on the straight and the narrow, if you will. He's the corrector and the counselor. He reveals to us what direction we should walk in. So all of these things and so much more are necessary, and we must begin to understand how is it. Because we've had people ask us, well, how do you see all this stuff? You know, how do you get this out of the Word of God? How do you have what you have? Well, first of all, it doesn't come overnight. This is no five-minute theology that we've been sharing with you now over the last 27-plus hours, right? We've done 27 right. podcasts, including today. That's impossible. I mean, that's literally impossible to do without the Holy Spirit, without right. the, the, the gift of God. Let me give you an example. Remember when the children of Israel, uh, when God began to feed them uh, in the wilderness, what did he do? He sent manna from heaven, right? And And 
and and that manna represents the word of God. That's what Jesus said. He said uh, he's a type of that manna. You can read that in, in John chapter six. But the manna didn't just fall on the ground by itself. Remember what the Bible says is that the manna would fall on the ground and then the dew of heaven would rest upon it. And what yes. God was trying, right? What God was trying to reveal to us there was that you can't just have the word without the dew. You know, that water droplets that fell on it. You know, that's a representative of the spirit. And he was showing even back then that this is a daily process, right? Because they had to get out of their tent every morning and go gather the manna. The manna had the dew on it. It had both the water droplets from heaven and the bread from heaven. And that is how uh, he was in that moment trying to teach us when we study such things, how the word of God uh, truly becomes the necessary food for your daily walk. You have to, Brother number Martin, one, yes, go ahead. It's powerful because uh, uh, Apostle Paul would say that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. And also, Good. Jesus Jesus himself would say this, and I think there's a spiritual depthness to this. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, right? Mm -hmm. But by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But with that with that word is we need the do, right? The present, the yeah. anointing. Yeah. So, That's good. That's right. The letter killeth, right? In other words, if you're just going to consume the word at face value with no inspiration, it's going mm -hmm. to basically bear no fruit in your life. It, it, it's not life apart from right. the spirit. And that's why Jesus told the woman at the well, right, when she started complaining theologically with him, right, well, you guys say over in Jerusalem we're supposed to worship God, and my forefathers told us right here in Mount Gerizim we're supposed to worship God. And, and the Lord said, I tell you the truth, uh, the time has come and now is uh, where the Father, uh, the, for, for those that worship God, must worship him in spirit and truth, right? Yes. And yes. So it's, it's the combination of the two that we must worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And the Lord goes on later in chapter six to say that his words are spirit, right? They're, they're indivisible and they cannot be separated. That is one of the reasons we have so many dead preachers preaching dead sermons to dead congregations, as, as the old evangelists used to say, right? I mean, it, it is because we are we have a bunch of preachers that have been schooled in the letter of the law, and so, but without the spirit. And so, when they come out of these right. these, uh, these 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 seminaries, um, you know, they, they can cross all the T's and break down all the Greek and the Hebrew to you, but it's deader than a doornail. And then you might get some guy. <laughs> you might get some guy who never went to Bible school or never went to seminary. But the Lord got a hold of him, and 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 he all he had was his Bible, and on his knees crying out to God, and full of the Spirit. And you listen to that guy preach, and my God, you know, he'll you'll you'll get broken before the Lord, and you'll 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 get saved. I mean, the difference is one has the Word and the Spirit, and the other doesn't. And so that is why when we approach the Word, like we were saying, we don't have what we have, and preachers don't get what they get. And it's not just relegated to preachers, by the way. This is available to the whole body of Christ, right? I mean, we're all supposed to go out yeah. and gather our manna every day, right? Everyone should be flowing with a vibrant expression of inspiration and revelation. If it wasn't so, Paul wouldn't have said it. He said, after you believed, you were sealed. And and let's look at that real quick. And, 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 and that's over in Ephesians, if you have your Bibles, brother. 
That's over in Ephesians, where he tells him, <laughs> let's take a look here. Are you there? You were sealed, sealed, right? Yeah, Ephesians chapter 1. All right. 113. Yeah, starting there. Look at what he says. He says, uh, in whom you also trusted, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that you heard the word of truth, that's the Lord, or the gospel, right? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed the gospel, then you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So, so that's when the Spirit actually came into our lives, as 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 how how would I say it? As literally becoming intertwined with your spirit, your soul. It's it's not until then. It requires the Spirit to draw you. Remember what Jesus said: "Hey, I I, I don't lose no sleep over it. You either come to me or you don't. It's not my responsibility." He says, "As a matter of fact, you can't come to me except the the Father draws you, right?" There's no way you can even come to the Lord unless the Father draws you. God God draws many people by his spirit. It is by his spirit that he draws us to Christ. And once we hear the gospel, the true gospel, he says, and we believe it, he says, that's when you're born again. That's when you're saved. And when you are immediately, what the scripture is, is saying is that you are imprinted. In other words, the, the spirit becomes indivisible, if you will. You, you become completely intertwined with the spirit of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit. That's what God meant when he said, he said, behold, he has sent forth the spirit of his son in you, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, right? It requires his spirit within us, which is the initial down payment and reflection of Jesus within our hearts and why suddenly we want to cry out to God and pray. It is because he's there within us. And subsequently, also, brothers, whenever you mess up after you get saved, you know you have the spirit because if you mess up, you instantly feel that grieving in your heart. You know right. that something ain't right, right? I mean, well, that ain't you. That's the spirit in you, right? But you feel bad because you are a child of God. And that's why they say, you know, grieve not the Holy Spirit. But what we're told about the Spirit is that he is the earnest of our inheritance. In other words, he's the down payment, or the sealing of the Spirit is the down payment that we receive. I mean, what a statement in verse 14, right? I mean, he's the down payment. That that sealing is the down payment. We don't have the total Holy Ghost in one, one person, right? It, he's He's equally distributed, or his essence or influence, or the or the, the ministry of being sealed by him is equally distributed throughout the body of Christ, but it's, it's a down payment. And when you think about it, brothers, it's really incredible because that kind of a statement by the Apostle Paul reveals to us just how little we really understand what the Spirit of God sealed in our heart really is all about. Because if we did, right, <laughs> if we did, we wouldn't be walking around with half the problems that we have. He's right. literally saying that a divine imprint has taken place on our soul and our spirit that has its origins directly from the throne room of God. The Holy Spirit himself has come and has imprinted you and that it's meant to be a down payment. In other words, I mean, if somebody came to your house and said, hey, man, I got something really cool for you, 
and, and then he says, but uh, I, I can't give it all to you right now. I got to go somewhere and, and I'm going to go, you know, take care of everything, but I'll bring it back. But, but here's a token of it. Right. And then he leaves you mm-hmm. like what, like, like a, like a little something terrible, like a rock or something. Right. There's not going to be any joy in that. Right. Yeah. Here's your down payment on what's <laughs> coming. Right? I mean, here's an old shoe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he'll be like, what? Uh, so, but that's how we treat the Holy Spirit because we don't know. We don't understand. But he's beginning to reveal. He's wanting us to walk in that way. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to describe it as being the, the very promise of the Father. Jesus said the same thing. What we have failed to understand is that the collective body of Christ was always meant to be something magnificent. Check this out in verse 18 of chapter 2. Can you can can you uh read that brother Jeremy if you have your bible 218? Yes. Ephesians? Yes. Yes. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now that's incredible because he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile, right? There is no difference between the two. But in a larger sense, as he goes on to describe it, he's talking about the collective body of Christ. He, he calls us a we, and yet the access of the total is by the one. Can you read that again? Sure. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Oh. Now, 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 therefore, by that one spirit, which which was given to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who went to heaven, prayed the Father, and the Father sent it, sent the Spirit, sent him. He's saying now we have, through that Spirit, access to the Father. And then he says, because of this, what? In verse 19. Are, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God. See, we read that and we just go, oh, okay. <laughs> but what he's saying, it's just so outrageous. I mean, I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> You're not like of the household of of whatever, you know. I mean, of 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 whatever the household of Jones or the household of Smith or you know the household of Rodriguez. I mean, it ain't like that, man. I mean, he says, you're of the household of God. Hallelujah. Right. And he, sa- he says that, that, that this is accomplished and the revelation of it is accomplished by the Spirit, the one Spirit, right? And the Spirit is one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You really can't separate them. It is the Elohim. You know, he manifests himself in the beginning uh, right where where he re- he reveals himself as the Lord and as Elohim, the Lord God, right? So the Lord Echovah, right? The Yod He, the Vav the He, which is the sacred name of God. Echovah is how you say it, or some say they can't even say it. But I mean, it, 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 the Jews say we can't even say it. We don't even know how to pronounce it. It's the Yod, the He, the Vav, and the He. That's the Hebrew letters that make up the sacred name of God. The Lord God is Elohim. Elohim is a plurality. El means God, Elohim means plural, you know, uh, yes. but unified, right? And so you, it's one spirit to the Father. And, and, and so great is this 
that that it required the Lord Jesus Christ suffering on Calvary, uh, paying the penalty of our sin, redeeming us by his precious blood, going into the lower parts of the earth, leading captivity captive, ascending into heaven, purifying the heavens all along the way, and presenting us before the Father. When he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, he became our great high priest, according to the book of Hebrews. And then he begins to intercede, just like he told the apostles in the upper room on his last Passover, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, that he would pray to the Father and that the Father would send the Holy Spirit to us so that he might live and abide with us forever. And he says, and now what Paul is saying here is that when we believe the gospel, we were sealed. Each individual component that makes up the larger body of Christ was sealed. See, when, when he spoke to Master Nicodemus and said, you have to be born again from above, that's what happened, was that when we believed what, what God did through Christ in raising him from the dead and believed and received the forgiveness of our sins, that we were instantly changed. We went from a position of death to a position of life. And what was deposited within our soul, that is the vital principle, that is the, the mind, the will, and the emotions, that is the, the unregenerate part of us that was given to us from Adam, who was a life-giving soul. But Jesus, the second Adam, is a, is a, is a life-giving spirit, right? He, 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 he breathed the spirit into us. And when we believed it, our soul became unified with that spirit, that new spirit. He told Nicodemus, remember, you've got to be born again. And once that happened, he says, we now have access. We've been sealed and we have access to the Father. And so we're no longer estranged. We're not foreigners. We're no longer of this world. We're not a pagan person anymore. But we have literally been adopted and received a passport that has stamped on it of the household of God, a fellow citizen of heaven. <laughs> I know that's, that's right, but that's what he says. Right? So, so, so how far below that understanding are we living? All of us, brothers. I mean, really. I mean, because we walk around in our churches with our our, our knuckles dragging on the ground and. You know, most testimony <laughs> services are, are, are filled with woe and lament, right? You know, <laughs> I just thank God he's helping me get through this time. I haven't been able to pay my rent in six months. I don't have a job, but praise the Lord anyway. No, man, i tell you what, yeah, you know, we, we, we're so focused on material things and worldly things. Jesus said, if you'll set your sights on the kingdom of heaven, all those things will be added to you. He says, after yeah. all those things, the Gentiles seek, right? The world looks after all them things. That's what makes it so, you know, absolutely absurd what all these prosperity preachers go around teaching the body of Christ. You know, really the only one getting prosperous are the preachers telling you to give them their money, right? But right. the rest of them, are, you know, they, they're still waiting on that ship that ain't coming in, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then when you just, when, just when you give up on it, right, they come up with a new gimmick, right? Oh, check this out. This new prayer cross that I anointed with special oil from a piece of ground I bought with the offerings you gave me, by the way. And then, you know, we're going to sprinkle this cloth and, you know, for your gift of $125, you just apply it on your bills, on your, enough of that, right? And and, and then people, that's what they equate with, with being the gospel. And, that's the yeah. And, and Brother Marty, 
you're right. That's what they equate with the gospel, healing, prosperity, uh, everything but the very thing why Jesus left them here for. Right. Which was, number one, to comfort. He's the comforter. For what? He said, he told his disciples, it is expedient that I go away. It's better for you. Yeah, yeah, it's better for you. If I don't go away, then I can't send him down to you, right? And he's here, as like you said, as a down payment, as a token, that we have been purchased by him, and, and, and he who purchased us is going to return for that which he has purchased. Correct. Yes. So the yes. Holy Spirit is, is, is the reason He is given to us is to to remind us always that Jesus is coming. Yes, that's right. It's connected because to His coming, right? But but when the the question is this, brother: When do you hear the Holy Spirit preach nowadays, connected with the coming of the Lord? Right. Not at all. Right. <laughs> right. Very Isn't it, you don't. Yep. Brother, you made me think of Book of Revelation, right? Because, because when he addresses right. seven yes. churches, right? What does he say? Uh, he that has an ear, let what? Let, let him hear him. what? What? Spirit. The spirit, right? Is saying to the churches what the Holy Spirit is saying. So, what is the Holy Spirit saying to the churches? You know, get your life in order, walk right. You know, seek the Lord. All that stuff he revealed in the seven churches. He said, because he's coming, right? Behold, I come quickly. Right. And my Lord is with me, right? And then even at the end of the book of Revelation, what is the Holy Spirit and the bride? Oh, the bride yeah. Yeah, Amen. the Spirit and the bride say, say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? So all throughout, it is the job, the duty of the Spirit to, to prepare us, to reveal to us who we really are in Christ. I'm not talking about that low-level, ridiculous Pseudo gospel that we were just mentioning that's preached in the in the you know in the culture of today. It's all about me myself. It's all about my trophy wife, my 3.4 kids that have a 4.0 grade average. That scholarship my kid got because you know God loves me and the five star vacation I'm about to take. And maybe if I'm really prosperous, I can have my own my own little jet. I mean, you know, that's just disgusting. You know because none of it, none of it is scriptural and all of it is anti-gospel because paul said you know set your sights on things above not on things below jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all that that all that trip you're spending 40 hours a week trying to you know get ahead of the joneses next door who just brought that new little you know what's those new little cars they call specs or whatever fiat i forget what they're called i mean it doesn't matter <laughs> the point of it is, is that you, well you said what tesla. are you saying tesla right? it's a tesla yeah, tesla, tesla, yeah well, that's a little that's that's on the other side of town brother no, I'm just, <laughs> that's where they actually trim the bushes and water the grass <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that process. That's that Laodicean church, brother. They drive Teslas, but I was trying that's to. Right. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously. <laughs> but seriously, man. I mean, I mean, are you telling me I shouldn't be, you know, working and making? No, man. That's not what I'm saying. I said, you know, it, it, it's not about that. It's about seeking His kingdom. It's about seeking the kingdom of heaven, and 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 it's about the Spirit, which we're talking about, that was sent to us. And what Brother Fernando and Brother Jeremy said earlier, you know, is that the Spirit leads us to look with expectation for the coming of the Lord. And like we just right. were saying, right, 
in the book of Revelation, he begins with the seven churches. There's the spirit, what the spirit is saying to the churches. And when you get to the end, what do you have? You have a bride completed by the Holy Spirit. And the bride is saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So what is going to mark the bride in these last days and the true bride that has the spirit of the living God is the one that you hear saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It is the kingdom of heaven that we desire. It is the coming of the Lord that we desire. And 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 these guys have worked overtime to strip the people of any kind of semblance of what the early church had, an incredible expectation of the imminent return of the Lord. And so he says, now you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens. What qualifies you as no longer being a stranger or a foreigner is that is that the Lord sent his spirit to dwell inside your and my heart. And if you don't have his spirit, then you are not of his household. And he says in verse 20, what does he he say? He says, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And read this, Brother Jeremy, 21 and 22. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth, unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. That is absolutely astounding what he says there. Because it is as if God is creating a temple, not made with hands, right? But a temple that is constructed by the Lord himself, the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus. Everything flows out of Jesus, and then it is the spirit that begins to draw pieces to the framework, right? He says, in whom all the building is fitly framed together. And then as it begins to be built, when it's finished, it's going to be a holy temple, and it will be built together. That's unity, right? That's real unity which can only be accomplished by the Spirit, and it's for the express purpose that Elohim, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, can live in this temple as a collective body. The implications of that are so astounding, seriously astounding, that we don't have time to get into them today. But we're we're trying to say, as the Spirit has led us today, to begin to rely upon his spirit and to begin to understand his mission and his purpose in our life. Because much of what we talk about and what we've been sharing requires a spiritual aptitude to understand it at the kind of level at which it's coming out. Because that which is revealed comes from God and it comes only by way of the spirit. And that's why Paul, going back over there, Brother Jeremy, again, uh, he, 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 can you read verse 13, Brother Jeremy? On chapter, chapter two, right? Chapter, chapter one. Chapter one? Yes. Yeah. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which what? Verse 14? Which? Which is the earnest of our inher- <clears throat> which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. 
Yes. So he says, this is what you're going to be left with, is this sealing of the Holy Spirit. And he says, it is your down payment. And that's what launched us on this whole little, you know, discussion here was that, is that it's the ceiling, it's the down payment. It it is it is therefore a valuable thing. Right? Right. It, it's 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 as if the Lord says, I'm promising you so much more. But as a hint of the glory that lies ahead of you, I'm going to give you my spirit. And he's gonna come be with you. And I yeah. want to throw that question out there, right? I want to say, <laughs> do you know the Spirit that way? Do I know the Spirit that way to the extent that having that relationship and, and complete understanding of who he really is to me from the Father and the Son, that it should so propel me into a position of unbelievable, uncontrollable anticipation of what lies ahead. This is only the down payment. My God, what lies ahead, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> right. So, do you guys have anything to say on that? No, no. I was thinking the the Lord designed it that way, uh, yeah. like you said, to propel us to look for um, what's to come. Because this is only a down payment, right? There's an inheritance that is going to be given to us, but it's not of this world. So it, it, it causes us to elevate our sight to things that are eternal, right? And that's what the yeah, Holy brother, Spirit... Wait, 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 wait. I don't want to lose that point you just said there because you said he was sent to us to cause within us to look for what's ahead, right? I mean, yeah, that's yes, what you're saying. And, and that's what he says here. I'd never really seen it that way before, but when you said it like that, that's what he's showing here and revealing exactly what Jesus said, right? That which is to come, because verse 14 says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption yes. of the person's possession. That's a good word right there. That word yeah. until has within it a feeling or a sense of, okay, then I have to be looking towards what's coming, right? It it that's right it it reveals to me the future go ahead keep keep talking yeah it it it, like you said it 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 causes you to look for things that are eternal contrary to how we've ministered the holy spirit which is uh he's like some kind of a uh a bell a billboard or whatever you know where you could just ask whatever you want he's going to give it to you here on earth Right? That is contrary to what the scripture is saying. It, it's mm-hmm. causing us to elevate our sights on things that are eternal, to, on things that cannot be corrupted, right? Because they're they're eternal, and and it, and it brings about, as the apostle Paul said, a groaning, right? Yeah. A groaning for for the manifestation of the sons of God, for that which is futuristic in nature. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's that's, really, that's what I'm trying to bring forth. No, that's really good because, and then he's saying in verse fourteen, "This is your down payment," and uh, and and it, and it, it's representative. Of the Holy Spirit was given to you as as just a small piece of what is yet to come, your inheritance, our inheritance. And then he says, "It will be with you in this way, a ceiling." Remember what we just read, what Brother Jeremy read earlier was that is that we're all um, 
we're all calling on the Lord. We call on the Lord by one spirit. So it's a multiple expression of multitudes of nations, tribes, tongues, kindreds made up of Jew and Gentile, the church. You know, we've been sealed individually. We don't individually possess the full spirit. We we individually possess that part which he seals us with of himself. But collectively, he says, we become a habitation of God in his fullness uh, by the spirit. And so he says, this is your down payment as an individual until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, what is the purchased possession? It's it's the church. It's you. It's me. Yeah, it's, it's, right. Ev- it's, right? it's every saint that has ever lived and, and believed the gospel since the beginning. We are that purchased possession. Purchased by who? Purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ in his blood, his precious blood. That's why he uses the word redeem. In other words, he's he's hinting there that we once were 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 property of another owner and in order to be uh, uh brought out of being owned by somebody else other than God a price had to be paid yes. and there is a redemption that was that was paid or a redeeming that occurred and that was by the blood of the lamb so when that full redeeming takes place of the purchased possession when he comes to bring his bride and unites the church of the ages. He says that, that it is all the way unto the praise of his glory. Remember when Jesus, right. we were talking about it during the Passover, uh, what is the praise of his glory? What does that mean, the praise of his glory? Well, we know that Jesus referred to his glory as now is the hour that the Son of Man is to be glorified. And what was he referring to? He was referring to the cross, that he would have to go and by way of the cross, he was about to to destroy the works of the devil and the devil himself. And when he resurrected, he was about to bring forth a new creation. And that's what God meant in Revelation chapter 3, where he said he is the beginning of the creation of God. So when he talks about the praise of his glory, to the world, it ain't glorious at all because they don't understand what the cross was actually about or the resurrection. You can't separate the two, which are, you know, some camps like to do, but you can't do that. The praise of his glory and the Lord identified his glory as being the death and the sacrifice that he would become, but coupled with, right, the resurrection, because he told them, he says, nobody takes my life. He said, I lay it down freely and if i lay it down i will take it up again so he unifies both the cross and the resurrection he doesn't separate them he says they're one in the same act they they were necessary right. components right they were necessary components to bring about what it is that god is doing which was going to create what paul goes on to say what brother jeremy just read an entire building that would be built known as the temple of god where god will come and dwell in that, and that is the collective saints of all the ages. It's, it's incredibly profound. And that's why he says it's to the praise of that glory. You are the redeemed, he says. You've been given a down payment, and what is ahead of you is so magnificent, and it came by way of his glory, which is his cross. And so after I heard of your faith in the Lord and your love unto all the saints, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, to make mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 17? Yes. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Of the him. Eyes of, mm-hmm. Yes. Go ahead. And and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And we can spend we can spend another two, three hours just on that. But here we see, right? He's saying, look, uh, Paul said that that now you've been sealed, that is, you've been born again by the Spirit, but now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray to the Father to give you a, a, a additional component parts of the Spirit. The Spirit is one. He, it, he's the Holy Spirit. But his, his, um, his attributes, remember when we see Jesus in Revelation chapter 5, He's described as the as the lamb that was slain. He's resurrected, right? He has seven horns. Seven represents the perfection, right? And horns represent authority. He's the living lamb with perfect authority. But then he has seven eyes, right? Which John goes on to say and reveal to us are the seven spirits that are before the throne of God. It doesn't mean that the spirit is seven different individual things. He's reflecting the attributes of the spirit and that in the lamb, we see all things. The horns are like the father. The lamb is Jesus. The seven spirits or the seven eyes are the Holy Spirit all composed in the lamb. And so when you hear things like this, may he give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's talking about component attributes of the personality of the Holy Spirit. And so we're sealed. And 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 then Paul enters into an. I'm gonna throw this in here, preacher. What are you praying for your people? <laughs> what are you praying yeah. over your children? Right? What do you pray over your children? What do you pray over the church? Because this is what Paul prayed. He understood it better than any apostle, other than probably the apostle John. I mean, he understood it at such a level because. When he was asked, how did you acquire the knowledge that you have in the, in, in the gospel, he said, no man taught it to me. He says, uh, I was in Arabia, right, for like 13 years or something, he said. And then he said, it was in that time period of 13 years that the gospel that I preached, I received it by the Spirit, right, by revelation. And that's why he begins to implore us to understand the depth of what really walking in the Holy Spirit is all about and the necessary attributes that we can draw from the personality of the Spirit because the Spirit is given specifically to reveal to us, like it says in verse 17, the wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Just who is he? Just what was his mission? Just how magnificent is he? And he says in verse 18, read it again, verse 18, Brother Jeremy. Yes, verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, so here he goes. He says, you need the spirit of wisdom. You need the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus 
so that the eyes of your understanding can be opened. In other words, if you don't have this, then your level of Christian walk is so low. I mean, you're back there at just the believing part. I got saved. But Paul says it is the intent of God, the intent of the Lord who prayed that the Father would send the Holy Spirit to us, that he would give us the attribute of his personality, which is wisdom and revelation, specifically targeted so that we can understand just who the Lord Jesus Christ really is. And he says, if you don't have wisdom and revelation in him, your eyes stay closed. But with the Spirit, in this uh, way of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, suddenly something begins to happen. The eyes of your understanding are opened. He's talking about vision-capable saints. He's talking about saints that can understand Jesus. And and it's a progressive thing. It's an opening and an enlightening. He's talking about the deepest part of us, the spiritual part of us. And he says this is necessary. The Holy Spirit is necessary so that we can know what? What is the hope of his calling? So he's beginning to reveal that God is speaking and God is calling us to a higher and more profound level an eternal level of life and existence with him and he in us by his spirit. And he says, it's a calling. See, this is what God is doing. He's beginning to call his people. And and there is a group of them out there and we're all in different places and we've got a long way to go, but it is yet a voice that is undefinable yet heard. It is the echo of a prompting to something higher than ourselves. It is the ladder or the staircase that is set before us by the Lord himself and is the spirit that guides us there and elevates us into the position where we can hear his voice and understand things that cannot be understood any other way, not by a carnal Christian and definitely not by anyone in the world. He says, you'll understand what that hope is, and you'll also understand how beautiful it is, his saints, which you are, right? That you'll understand what it is that he did when he made you born again and how he made you born again, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, who what? Who believe. And we believed according to the working of his power, which what? Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He's saying, man, (laughs) if you could just understand everything that really happened. Notice what he didn't say, which he wrought in Christ when he was on the cross. All right. I just lost like half the audience, right? They're all mad at me now. But let's... (laughs) But I didn't say it. Paul did. The cross was the was the means by which my sins and the wrath of God were taken away. And only Jesus Christ could do that. But 
this glory that he's talking about, this this growing into being a temple of God and being filled collectively as a habitation of God through his spirit and all the other things that he's been talking about. He said he did that when he raised Christ from the dead. Had not Jesus Christ risen from the dead, which was an act of the spirit, was it not? I mean, yes, if, you, right. if you know your Bible, right? Turn over to Romans and we'll close with this. Romans eight eleven. 11. Uh, in, in, in no in Romans uh, in Romans chapter one. Okay. I was thinking about the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwelling you. That raised up Christ good. from the dead should also quicken your mortal bodies by His yes. Spirit that dwelleth in you. That's Romans one. Yes. But yes, that's good because that's what we're saying, and that's right. But when it comes to what Paul said there in Ephesians 2, right, I mean, one twenty, he says that you need to have your eyes open to understand what God actually did, uh, what he actually wrought or what he actually did when he raised Jesus from the dead. It is the resurrection that gives birth to everything, not the cross. The cross was the chief component that was leading to a new creation. If you didn't have the cross, you'd never have the new creation. But if all you have is the cross, then all you have is death and wrath. That is not the mm -hmm. lamb that we look. When we see the lamb in the book of Revelation, man, I know you all get nervous. When we, <laughs> when we see the lamb in the book of Revelation, we don't see him as a lamb on the cross. We see him as a lamb resurrected, bearing the wounds as he had been slain. But his authority to open the book and loose the seven seals came by way of the resurrection. Ah, somebody said, Hallelujah. So listen. Yes. <laughs> so listen to what he says in verse three. Would you read three and four, Brother Jeremy, with all that in mind? Yes. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by now, the resurrection from the dead yes by the resurrection by so that's what he sets the premise out right is that what what actually identifies that jesus is the one right is is that he was raised from the dead by the holy spirit and it's that resurrection from the dead that identifies he's the son of god so it's not it's not by the cross alone the cross speaks of right. wrath the cross speaks of of my sins that should have been on me being placed on jesus and he became the atonement he took that component and upon himself and took it away from me i was crucified with christ but he, he bore the punishment. He bore the price. But I would never know that what he did was accepted except what Paul says here. He was declared to be the son of God. I had another verse there, brother, Romans 5.10. Yeah. For, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, we were reconciled by his death, Paul says. Yes. Yeah. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. We are saved by his life. By his life, brother. Exactly. 
we could never have been born again if he wasn't risen from the dead. And let me say this too, brother, because this is where a lot of these grace, hyper grace messages or whatever, grace message, message of the cross, it's a half truth or a half message. And really a a lot of them, they're erroneous when when you get down to uh, the the foundation of what the principles of what they're teaching. But what, what they're trying to deal with is the sinfulness that a lot of Christians are dealing with, the sin. Right, the the continuous uh, uh, sinful life, a habitual life of sinning, and they and yeah. they and they speak a grace message, a cross message, to basically, you know, Jesus dealt with your sin at the cross. So the fact that they're preaching this message, they're admitting that there's people in the in in the church that are dealing with sin or practicing sinners. Yeah, right? and that's all they point them to. Right, there's grace when you sin. Like the Apostle Paul dealt with this issue. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. So to just preach the cross, all right, without the resurrection, then 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 what we're telling the people is it's it's a half truth, right? They're going to continue to live in sin. Yeah. The cross dealt with the old man. Yes. Right? The resurrection gave life to the new man. Yes. Okay. So yes. if we just continuously point to the cross, all we're dealing with is the old man. What about the new man? You have to yes. preach the resurrection. Yes. You have to Absolutely. preach the resurrection in order for the people to even get to what we're talking about. You know, where Paul prayed that that they would be filled with the wisdom and revelation in Him, in Christ Jesus. Yes. You, you have to. You have to deal with your old man. And 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 move on to that new man uh, phase in your life, and it's not easy. You don't get there overnight, nope. right? But it's, process. it's a process. Yes. Yes. And 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 it one is. of the things while you're there, one of the things that that people struggle with, especially in that whole camp of it's only the cross, the cross, the cross. And I know them. I mean, I've sat down and had dinner with these guys. I mean, I walked with them for years, and I know them. And some of them are the biggest name evangelists the world have ever seen. I've sat with them across the table almost daily having lunch with them when I was near them and around them and used to preach for them. Uh, they, 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 they emphasize the cross. They diminish the resurrection. They do lip service to it, but they're so caught up in this, this grace, misappropriated grace message. It's by grace that you're saved and not of works. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the works that prove that we couldn't live for God. Because <laughs> James goes on to say, if, you, if you're guilty and breaking one aspect of the law, you've broken it all. Right? So, right. you know, so don't, right. don't, don't, you, you cannot approach God by works. But that's not what we're saying. You know, our salvation was, was achieved for us by the resurrection of the Lord. But now he has sent his Holy Spirit into our heart to equip us to live as Christ, that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us through Christ yeah. our Lord, right? If you don't have this, if you don't have the resurrection, you definitely don't have the Spirit, because Jesus rose from the dead, goes to the Father, and and it's it's on His mind, right? Even in the Book of Acts, chapter one, He says, I, I, 
tarry ye here in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high, right? And then Acts chapter 2, where all the Pentecostals like to shout, and they have no idea what they're shouting about. They say, well, when the day of Pentecost really came, uh, there came a, a, a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were at. It sat upon them with cloven tongues as a or fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And they all shout and run around the church, and they have no idea <laughs> what yes. they're talking about. Because Paul does, and, 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 and all the other apostles we've been talking about, they're talking about a Holy Spirit that is far greater than your heavenly, just your heavenly prayer language. I mean, right? So, yes, brother, you know, we, we, I, I hope we've given the people something today about the Spirit and maybe whet your appetite to at least dig into the scriptures about the Spirit. And, I, and, and what Brother Jeremy was reading and what you just read was a great scripture, uh, which was, is that uh, in verse 10, if we were enemies, uh, when we were enemies, we were reconciled by the death of his son. That's the cross. He, he right. immediately con- connects it and says, much more being reconciled, we're saved by his life, right? By his resurrection. And, and, right. and, and so that's the key. And what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? He immediately tells them. He says, I'm going away. And he told them, just a few days before at the Passover supper, if I don't go away, it ain't good for you. It was on his resurrected mind, my goodness, that I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to ask him to send you the Spirit. And and that's what he did. And we know that he got home because the Spirit came on, on the day of Pentecost, as the old timers used to say, right? So so he he goes as our high priest, entering once and for all, having paid the price. And he ever lives now to make intercession for us. And the very first prayer I have an inkling he prayed was, Father, send them the Spirit. And boom, that's when the Spirit came. And he's been here ever since. He lives within the church. And he's meant to guide us, to lead us into all truth. He's here to correct us. He's given to reprove us. Study your Bible because that's what it says. In other words, he corrects us and keeps us on the straight and narrow. He strengthens us by his word to obey his word. He intends for us to fulfill the righteousness of the law, which is by Christ Jesus in us, living his life through us, expressing the will and the purpose of God through us. And that's why Paul said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, I would that you would be filled yes. with, the, with, the, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and what? Spiritual understanding. Why? So that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every, and this is what the hyper grace people don't like to hear, in every good work, right? Mm-hmm. right. Yep. And, in, and increasing in the knowledge of God. On and on and on. And God says, if you be otherwise minded, right, he, he, God will reveal this to you. How? By the same spirit that he sent to us. So let us, you know, rejoice in this. And, and, and we encourage the people that are listening, spend time understanding uh, the Holy Spirit and what he has been given to us for. And when you do, yes. your ears, your eyes, everything begins to be enlightened. Every, you begin to hear. You begin to be taught by the word. Remember this, he's not just going to come to you, you know, and go, ooh, and tell you something, right? You know, if it's not in the word, it's not of the spirit. And it yeah. must be grounded in the word. And that is how the, the spirit speaks to you. Jesus said, my words are spirit. The spirit is never going to separate his, his voice or instruction to you from the word. So don't come up and tell me, the Lord told me this. 
Well, show me in the word where you have a valid reason to say that the Lord told you that because he will never speak to you outside the confines of, of his word. And I know that just made a bunch of people mad, but I really don't care. That's the word of God. So, <laughs> so rejoice Amen. in the Holy Spirit because because he's been given to us. He's the earnest of our inheritance. He's the down payment for the glory that is yet to go. Can you guys close this out? Amen. Amen. It makes you wonder why Jesus is no longer preached in our churches. Well, mm. it could very well be that we have not understood the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, because the Bible says, Jesus said that he will not speak of himself, but he will speak of me. All right, Jesus was speaking of himself. So somewhere along the line, you know, we have, I guess the tragedy of the church is that we have separated all these different principles and teachings and components into their their own teaching and doctrine and we have completely uh separated the gospel right we're not saying that the cross is better than the resurrection or the resurrection better than the cross or who do we focus on the holy spirit or no it's it's the gospel it's 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 one flow it's it's the voice of god it's the voice of god we need to get in tune with the Holy Spirit, and he will reveal all these things to us Praise as God, God intended to, uh, for, for it to be understood. This is what we're talking about, the wisdom, yeah. right? The manifold yeah. wisdom of God, the revelation of God, the enlightenment of God. That's, I believe, it's another thing that, that, that the Lord is doing through us in the midst of this shutdown and pandemic. It's, it's, it's for us to get into our word and begin to seek him and let his yeah. presence, his Holy Spirit, guide us back to him. You're so right, brother. I mean, the way the apostles are speaking in, to the Ephesians, you just don't hear that kind of uh, heart in today's preachers. What was his right. desire? What was his intention? I think yeah. we need to come back to the true teachings of the word of God. And, that's, and, and we've drifted so far away, brother. That's why when we talk in this manner concerning the Holy Spirit, we have a people, a generation that just have not heard about the Holy Spirit in this way. What, what, yeah. why, why the Lord left them? He, he is that down payment, that, that token, right? And, yeah. and so, it, this is important. Okay, this is very important, and I want to reach. I want to speak to the listeners. We need to again go back and listen to this. We need a reintroduction. Yes. the Holy Spirit, because if we find the true spirit, and it's one spirit, then we will yes. find Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And, and, Amen. And, and he will give us access unto our Heavenly Father. Yes. Right. That's you good. know, in closing, uh, one thing to note is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And we know what he did not say about the Holy Spirit. He did not call it the spirit of of miracles, the spirit of signs and wonders, uh, the spirit of prosperity. What he did say, he called them one thing specifically. He called them the spirit of truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus said. He is the spirit of truth. And so I think this was such a critical, I know the Lord led us to this Bible study, to study the word in this manner about the Holy Spirit. Because as you said, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, we need to redefine who the Holy Spirit is. That's why there's yeah. so much 
junk in the church today and so much falseness and misconception. And, and I'm glad you pointed that out. This is not about to prove who's right, who's wrong. No, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He is our seal, our seal. And that, that, that tells us who we belong to. But also, we must bring a validation that he's living in us. See? That's the seal. But uh, praise God for this Bible study. Uh, and I know it has blessed you. And I pray it does. I pray it does as we get ready to close. We are so grateful for you tuning in with us today and being able to study the word of God. And we look forward to having you tomorrow. And we pray that you have a blessed day the rest of the day and keep looking up.